Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Michael Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor as we talk to you about college football, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 105. This week for Iowa State marked the first time since at least 2000 that we have turned the ball over four times and still won a conference game. I don't know if that's an impressive stat or a sad stat, but the moral of the story is we still won against Baylor, which is a team that you need. Yes, the Cyclones did win the game against the Bears. They just barely snuck past them um, in a game that they did have to win if they were going to end up winning the Big 12 championship. Um, so that was a good win. But it was an ugly game. Like quite said, you turned the ball over four times. And were all four of those turnovers in the first half, or was one of them in the second half? One was uh, in the second half, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the muff punt was in the second yeah. half. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that happened right in front of my face. Brock Purdy threw what three interceptions, including one of them was a pick six. Um, and we muffed a punt in the second half and still managed to win this football game. I mean Purdy bounced back from that awful first half where he threw those three interceptions in the first half and ended with a decent stat line. Um, Brees Hall continued to dominate um, as he uh, is the nation's leading rusher. He's rushed for over a thousand yards this year, um, had two more touchdowns on the ground, plus one receiving touchdown this year. Um, yeah, Brees Hall saved that game. Um, yeah. The game was both very encouraging and very disappointing because those are the kind of games, right? That's how you lose games. You turn the ball over four to, Iowa State deserved to lose that game. Like, I'm going to be honest. Iowa State deserved to, uh, to lose that game. But they managed to get the job done. They managed to get the win because they managed to come back. The defense really shut down Baylor in the second half, which was great. That was really good to see. Most of their points were scored on short fields because of turnovers. Um, so the defense ended up playing fairly well, despite the uh, lopsided 31 points that uh, Baylor ended up putting on the board. So, Well, I mean, the defense only allowed 24 points. That's true. And the defense got stuck with a few short field or one short field. Multiple short fields. Yeah. I mean, Baylor's touchdown drives, one of them was a full 89-yard drive. The other touchdown drive was only 36 yards. Um, a field goal drive where they made two yards, right? I mean, they were given another short field at Baylor, yeah, but through a pick. So the defense, I thought, played plenty well. Mike Rose sealed the game with a big um, late game interception, which was great to see. Um, I'm going to be honest. We probably lose this game if Baylor's running, starting running back doesn't tear up pretty much every ligament in his knee in the first half, or at least that's what looked like what happened on the replay. You, yeah, it looked like every ligament in his knee tore there as he planted. And he was running pretty well um, when he got injured. Um, and his backup was just not. His backup was not very good. Um and that was a major difference in the game. That was part of the reason why Baylor's offense stalled in the second half, right? They couldn't run the ball in the second half, and our pass defense was pretty good. Um, I was discouraged by the turnovers, and I was discouraged by um, at least one, maybe a couple big plays 
Um, it was a couple of big plays. They gave a 62 yard pass on that opening drive. I wasn't very happy about that one either. This defense is supposed to limit big plays, so I wasn't very happy about it. But overall, you won the game. I mean, that's what matters. Just win, baby. Win that game. And um, you're in pretty good shape to uh, to keep winning the conference. I mean, the Cyclones are now all alone in first place in the Big 12 with that win and the Kansas State loss to Oklahoma State. So um, that's... Yeah, that's very encouraging. Uh, Kyle, you got any other takeaways from this week's game? Uh, so you said that Brees Hall won this game, and like I, I don't disagree with you in that respect. Brees Hall did play very well, but I think the actual person who won this game for the Cyclones is the Big 12's leading or interception leader uh, this year, who is Mike Rose. He had nine total tackles on defense – two assists, the one interception. Uh, it was either – and I think he had three and a half tackles for loss on the game too. Mike Rose was all over the field. He is fitting in very well. And Matt Campbell continues to just get um, – he continues to just get high praise. Uh, and Mike Rose is playing at an extremely high level uh, right now uh, for the Cyclones. Yeah. And two of those interceptions are um, two of those interceptions are game-winning interceptions against TCU, and then uh, against Baylor with less than a minute left. So, not only is he the Big Twelve leader in interceptions, but he makes those interceptions at big times, which has been huge. So, that's very good for Mike Rose. Um, yes, the defense again, like you said, came to play. They did turn Baylor over a couple times too. Was that Baylor? Only turnover? I think it is, was they the only had, turnover. No, they had two. Charlie Brewer threw two interceptions. Oh, yeah. He did throw one in the first okay. half. That's right. Yeah. He threw one in the first half. And the, so good on the defense, good on the Cyclones. Also, what was encouraging, the lack of penalties. Iowa State only had one penalty um, this entire game. It was a false, that false start on the last drive with less than a minute left. So they got better at one part of the game, right? we said there were three focus areas for the Cyclones if they were going to really go places this year. It was turnovers, penalties, and special teams. Well, you failed the turnovers, you succeeded on the penalties, and the special teams were another mixed bag. Um, Asali hit that fifth, or that 42-yard field goal, and Kenny Nwongu had a really big kick return um, that helped a lot, but you did muff the punt. One of those four turnovers was a muffed punt. So the special teams continues to be so-so. The penalty. Well, we also in. had a we had a blocked punt too. We did block a punt too. So overall positive from the special teams, but still you can't muff punt. So yeah, I would and, say you succeeded in one and a half of your three emphasis areas. And if you're going to win the big games, you got to be succeeding in all of those. Well, and speaking of those big games, the Cyclones do have a big stretch coming up here after the bye week so next week the cyclones are on bye uh and they have a chance to rest up before they face the slate of k-state tech at texas and then back at home against west virginia according to football power index uh they give iowa state a 65 percent chance to beat k k-state at home a 27 or 25.7 percent to beat texas on the road 
and then a 61.8% chance to beat West Virginia at home. Uh, they do give the Cyclones a 13% or 13.6% chance to win the conference. That is actually fourth in the conference as they are giving higher percentages to Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State in that respective order. Yeah, and uh, based on those percentages, um, it is a 10.3% chance to win out. And Cyclones do control their own destiny. If they win out, they win the conference. There's no ifs, ands. Well, actually, no, not necessarily. Because if they win out and Oklahoma State wins out, Oklahoma State wins the conference still. Yeah, Iowa State needs Oklahoma State to lose one more time. Yeah. If you win out, you're in the Big 12 title game. That is true. You control your own destiny in that aspect. Win out and you're in the Big 12 championship game, um, either as the one or the two seed. Um, And there are ways to make the Big 12 title game without winning out as well. Um, The scenarios um, got less complicated with that um, Oklahoma State win over K-State. That helped a lot. Um, So basically, just to run through them, so Iowa State and Oklahoma State have one loss with Oklahoma State having the tiebreaker over Iowa State. Um, With two losses, you have K-State, Oklahoma, and Texas. Iowa State already has the tiebreaker over Oklahoma by beating them earlier in the year. They still play K-State and Texas um, to figure out the tiebreaker there. So you can afford to lose one of those two games, but not both of them. You can afford to lose once here down the stretch and still probably, and still have a decent shot at making the Big 12 title game. But you got to go two and one at worst. If you go two and one, your odds are pretty good at making the Big 12 title game. Three and oh, guaranteed. Two and one, pretty good. One and two, not very likely. And oh and three, no chance. I don't have exact percentages for you. There's still too many scenarios to work out the actual percentages, but um, I will have those probably in two weeks for you. I will have those percentages because then everyone will just have two games left and then I can do this, so. Yeah, right, basically all, all you need to know is win your two home games, right, against K-State and West Virginia and, and hope play, somebody play well play well against a very beatable Texas team. Like Texas tries to beat themselves a lot with penalties and yep. turnovers. So yep. it, it like it is not a Texas team that has been steamrolling people by any means. Yes, they did beat Oklahoma State in which in a game in which both teams honestly played pretty uh, pretty careless football um, on both ends of the field. But yeah play well against Texas, don't have any penalties, don't commit very many turnovers, be sound on special teams, and you give yourself a really good shot at beating a very beatable Texas Longhorn team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your odds are – so basically your best chance is to – so after Iowa State plays Texas, the week after that, Texas and K-State play each other. So basically you need to beat, you need to have beaten the winner of that game probably is what it's going to come down to. Because if you lose to Texas and Texas beats K-State, they prob- they're going to have the tiebreaker over you and you're both going to have two conference losses and you're going to be in trouble. So you need to beat the winner of that Texas K-State game is really what it's probably going to come down. And honestly, who knows who's going to win that game because K-State usually 
tends to play Texas very well. Yep, and that uh, is in Manhattan as opposed to in as opposed to at Texas. And K State played Oklahoma State very close in that game. It took a last or a fourth quarter fumble recovery for a touchdown in order for Oklahoma State really to seal that game. So, yep. yeah, you you have to both of those teams. You're going to have to play turnover free football, penalty free football and sound on special teams, because if you do all that, especially against a very sound and well-coached K-State team, you put yourself in a great position to win both of those games. And then you get to show off against West Virginia between the top two running backs in the conference, but really it's Brees Hall, and there's no other question who else is the best running back in the conference this year, Chuba Hubbard and Letty Brown. Brees Hall has has basically run away with uh, the league's best running back so far this season. But lots of football left to be played. We will see what happens. And obviously, we're going to keep updated as yep. everything. We have hinted at this, but next week, um, Iowa State is on bye next week looking ahead. Um, so enjoy your week off, Cyclone fans, where you don't have to be um, you know, super stressed in the fourth quarter like you were this week. Um, enjoy that. And then K-State comes up in two weeks. That'll be a three o'clock game on Fox two weeks um, in two weeks on Saturday, the 21st of November. As, as Big 12 football continues to roll on, so does the NFL. Uh, week nine in the NFL is coming to a close. We record this podcast on Monday night. Monday night football has still yet to be played, but it is in a Abysmal matchup between the New England Patriots and the New York. We stink at football jets. Um, so if anyone's watching that game, wow, uh, props to you. Um, you must really love football. Other than that, Mike is going to give a lowdown on the Vikings as they once again win another football game, mainly on the back or the legs of Dalvin Cook. Yep, Delvin Cook and actually that defense were the stories of this game um, for the Vikings. Um, they turned Matthew Stafford over twice in the red zone. Um, Delvin Cook, again, had another monster game. Um, like, is it time to stop? Get, it's time to get off the Vikings tank train and get on the Vikings maybe make the playoffs train? I mean, all of a sudden, the Vikings are up to a 25% chance to make the playoffs, according to 538. Two weeks ago, that was like 4%. So two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago, it was 4%. So they've greatly improved their playoff chances here um, with two straight wins. I mean, the Vikings are still two games out of a playoff spot um, in the expanded playoffs. So it's not like it's super close, but I mean you've already blown your spot, your chance at a really, really high draft pick. So you might as well, I guess, start going for the playoffs again, like go beat the bears next week on Monday night football. If you beat the bears next week on Monday night football, I'll start to believe. But well, first and foremost, you have to get over how horrendous Kirk cousins is on primetime football. I mean, in yeah, order to win that game. That's true. But he has been good the last two weeks. So that's good. That's encouraging. He's taken steps forward these last two weeks, and let's hope he can do that going forward against the Bears. Or we'll just hand the ball to Dalvin Cook 50 times and let him run for 300 yards. That hey, I mean, if the wheel ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Dalvin Cook is running over people, through people, 
around people. He is the league's leading rusher this week or after this week. So it's working somehow. Just keep handing the ball off. Yeah. And looking ahead, the Vikings schedule after the Bears is very winnable. After the Bears, you get the Cowboys at home, the Panthers at home, and then the Jaguars at home. Those are three very winnable games after the Bears. Beat the Bears, and all of a sudden, this team could be looking at being six and five, and then who knows? I, th- I think it's I think it's you have winnable games against the Bears. The Bears have looked very susceptible as they are deemed to be the imposter in the NFC. So, yeah, the Bears the Bears defense is good, but their offense is still absolutely garbage. Doesn't matter if Nick Foles is the quarterback or Mitch Trubisky, they're bad. Moving on, uh, Christian McCaffrey, who is very good at the football, uh, returned for the Panthers. He ends up getting hurt again, uh, but not before he scores two total touchdowns and has over 100 scrimmage yards on the game for the Panthers. The Chiefs do survive, though, in what was kind of an ugly game. Missed field goals from both teams. Missed extra point by Harrison Butker again, uh, who I figured was going to finally come back and bite the Chiefs in the butt, uh, but it didn't, and the Chiefs were able to hang on and win that game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes just continues setting more records. He is the fastest quarterback to 100 touchdown passes at 40 career games. The next uh, previous record was held by Dan Marino for pretty much forever, uh, and he reached 100 total touchdowns in 44 games. Uh, It is worth noting that Patrick Mahomes also has the fewest career interceptions, uh, as he reaches that 100-touchdown pass mark with only 19 career interceptions. The next closest, I believe, is somewhere in the 30s. So lots of touchdowns, no interceptions, or few interceptions, not none, but right quarterback, right system. The Steelers, um, somebody needed to wake them up and tell them that they shouldn't lose to the Cowboys The Cowboys pulled out all the stops in this game. Uh, They threw the ball across the field on a punt return. They had a throwback as one of the gunners uh, pretended he pulled his hamstring and was limping down the field. Turns out he actually catches the ball on the other side. And if not for a penalty, he would have scored a touchdown. Um, But the Cowboys played like they had nothing to lose. They were in this game until the Steelers ended up winning. The better team won in this scenario, uh, but it was almost the upset of the week in Arlington. Maybe one of the most unexpected outcomes of the week is how the Bills dominated the Seahawks up in uh, Buffalo. Josh Allen ruined me in fantasy football this week. You're as, welcome. What was that? You're welcome. Yeah, uh, as I was playing Mike, um, Josh Allen played out of his mind. He had uh, 415 passing yards and three touchdowns on the day. Uh, And Russell Wilson was picked off twice in this game as well as Seattle just didn't have enough in the end to come back. They dug themselves in too big of a rut uh, at the beginning of this game. Tua Tagovailoa is 
undefeated in the NFL so far as Miami goes down to the desert in Arizona and ekes out a win over Miami. Uh, Zane Gonzalez kicked a 45-yard field goal that looked perfect, and everyone thought it was good except for the fact that he was about three yards short. That's never expected for an NFL kicker. They're usually not short from under 50 yards. Uh, so that was an interesting game. Um, Pat McAfee ended up losing uh, like $27,000 or somewhere in that range of sports betting money due to that missed field goal. Uh, so he's pretty sad this week. Uh, speaking of sad or unlucky, the Los Angeles Chargers, they lose another game. Uh they thought they had the game-winning touchdown pass as Justin Herbert threw a fade route. Uh, turns out that it wasn't actually a catch, and they end up losing the game. The Raiders pull it out. The Chargers have now, in all six of their losses this year, have lost by seven or fewer points in all of those games. Uh, the, the Chargers are going to be good here soon. They just have to figure out how to win close games, apparently. Uh, a game that was not close was Tampa Bay. Uh, versus New Orleans as Tom Brady and Drew Brees continue to battle back and forth uh, between the all-time NFL touchdown leader or career touchdown passes leaders in the NFL. Uh, Drew Brees got the best of Tom Brady and moves back into first place as Tampa Bay ends up losing with a final score of 38-3. to This game was never close. Tom Brady had three interceptions on the game and the Tampa Bay offense looked anemic for most of the first half. I think it was their fourth or fifth drive before they finally got a first down in the game. And by that time uh, the saints had already scored 28 points. Um, so this game was pretty much out of reach. Uh, it is worth noting that this is the worth worst margin or losing margin in Tom Brady's career. Uh, before this, he had never lost by more than 31 points, uh, which is pretty crazy. But it also helps when you play an absolutely garbage AFC year. So maybe he's wishing he was there instead of the NFC South. As the New Orleans Saints now are in the driver's seat, have, as they have swept Tampa Bay twice, so New, Tampa Bay is, has some work to do if they want to win that division. Speaking of what is going to help determine a division, Thursday night football this week is going to be a big matchup and finally a good matchup on Thursday night football as we have had some pretty trash ones as of late as the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans square off in Nashville uh, to help determine the winner of the AFC South going forward. Uh, this will be a good game. Phillip Rivers, um, we'll see if he continues to tackle himself during football games and proceeds to get run over by the defense as he did against the Baltimore Ravens. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go and look up that video, Phillip Rivers laying on the ground after he tackles himself trying to stop a, a fumble return. It, it's a great video. Uh, he should probably retire. That's, that's a retirement worthy uh, gag for his NFL career, but uh, Tennessee is still on track. They beat the Chicago Bears this week, and they look to continue rolling through that AFC South as Derrick Henry is the second-leading rusher in the NFL behind Dalvin Cook. It should be a good matchup, one of the best rushing run defenses in the NFL against one of the best running backs in the NFL. So get excited for Thursday Night Football this week. Should be a good one. 
Moving right along, we'll move into everyone's favorite segment, Mike's Stupid Rules. The rule I want to touch on this week is about touchbacks in the NCAA. The reason we're going to talk about this is because um, we had a situation come up in the Iowa State-Baylor game, remember, where the Baylor player downed the ball on a punt for a touchback while he was standing on the goal line, and that was correctly ruled a touchback. That is covered in Rule 8, Section section 6, Article 1, Rule A. Um, So that rule says, or the part of the rule that matters is, the ball becomes dead in the possession of a player on on, above, or behind his own goal line. So since he was standing on, behind, or above his goal line as he touched the ball to make it dead... According to this rule, that's why it was a touchback. What I want to go further on, though, is the opposite scenario. This didn't happen, but what would happen if the player was standing in the field of play, but the ball was already over the goal line when he uh, touches it? I think that's a more interesting case. There you're looking at the same rule, um, still in uh, Rule 8, Section 6, Article 1, but you're looking at Rule B, where it says the kick becomes dead by rule behind the defending goal line. So the question is, does the kick become dead at the spot where the ball is or the spot where the player is when he touches that? And Wyatt, you have a clarification about a um, another rule that's going to shed clarity on that point specifically, right? I was, um, but not, not actually. Uh, I misinterpreted that rule. There was another rule about uh, a held ball, which, which doesn't, that also doesn't apply here. Um, I don't remember where I heard this, but somebody was trying to tell me that this would technically be considered out of bounds because the player was out of bounds in the end zone, which is not the case. So that has to do with the, the, what you already clarified. I agree though. That this is a more interesting question is, is the ball dead when it crosses the plane of the goal for a touchback? Yeah, so I would say based on this interpretation of the rule, the ball is dead when it's touched, right? Yep. That's the way it is on a on a punt. So that ball is dead. Um, so when it's when it's touched by the kicking team. Correct. So yes, when yep. it's touched by the kicking team. Because obviously you can you can return it, you can return a a punt that let's say you're the receiving team, you can catch the ball in your end zone and run it out of the end. Yes, that is correct. Yes. So it is a dead ball when it is touched by the um, yes by the by the punting team. So since that ball is in the end zone when it's dead there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, by the definition, by that rule, I would say that is also a touchback, right? Both the player and the ball have to be in the field of play when it is first touched for it not to be a touchback. You agree with that, Wyatt? I do agree because uh, on a punt the ball is immediately dead when it's touched by the kicking team, assuming it has not also touched the receiving team, uh, which we also got a taste of, right? When we muffed the, the punt recovery uh, in the same game, the ball is still alive and can be touched again by the receiving team mm-hmm. or by the kicking team after it's touched the receiving team. So if the kicking team touches the ball after the kick and the receiving team has not touched the ball, the ball is immediately dead. And if it's dead in their own end zone, that results in a touchback. Yep. Agreed. That is my interpretation of the. So both the player and the ball have to be in the field of play when it is touched to avoid it being a touchback. Can't have one or the other, as um, clarified by rules A and B 
of that rule. So there you go. That is touchbacks on punts. And you are now smarter about touchbacks on punts in college football. Those rule references were, by the way, from the official um, 2020 NCAA football rules and interpretations book, which you can find on ncaapublications.com. There you go. If you ever want to read the NCAA football rule book, it is only 235 pages. So if you're looking for a bit of light reading, that is where we get all our rules. So, and I say that somewhat as a joke, but I know why it would do it. So I, I totally already have. <laughs> moving right along from our right that or from our stupid rules prediction, everyone knows that after that comes our write that down prediction segment. We had two predictions come off the board this week. And this is our normal theme. Most of our predictions are wrong. And that continued this week where both of our predictions, again, were wrong. Um, There was one from Josh. Josh predicted that Alan Lazard would come back um, from his injury either last week or sooner. He was not activated off IR before um, the Packers beat the 49ers last Thursday. Um, He he will be required to come off IR pretty soon. He's only got a few days left that he can still be on IR um, before he has to be active. So very soon he will be back. But either way, this prediction is. Um, The other prediction to come off the board is my prediction last week, predicting that Iowa would lose every game this year. They did not take kindly to that prediction and pounded Michigan state 42 to three on Saturday. So for that, I get a. That is it coming off the board. So as is tradition, Kyle will start by putting some predictions back on the board. Yeah, I would just like to say that furthermore, um, I hope none of our listeners are interested in us starting up a sports betting podcast because with the records that we have on our write that down prediction, I'm sure we would always be losing money for you and for us. Uh, Yeah. We're pretty garbage at the predictions. With that being said, I'm going to be bad again probably and throw another one up there and say that the Hawkeyes will have a losing record this season in college football. They'll have a losing record. So we're going to have to go over their schedule again, aren't we? Yeah. We did this I last mean, week. Yeah, or you could just wildly throw a, throw a uh, base out there for me. So their remaining schedule – is Minnesota is at Minnesota at Penn State versus Nebraska at Illinois and versus Wisconsin. They have one win on the season, right? Yes, they're one and two. two. So to finish, do you want to include the Big Ten um, crossover week in this? Yeah, the season. Okay. End of bowl game if they get there? Uh, How many many total games is it with the Big Ten crossover game? Nine? Nine? Nah. No bowl, no, don't include the bowl game. Bowl game not because I don't want to tie. Bowl game not included, championship crossover weekend. Got it. Got it. Um, I mean, Nebraska should be a pretty easy win, right? Illinois is very beatable. Illinois, yeah. Penn there. State is garbage, too. Penn State's 0 3. So, they're I pro- like how Fox College football is trying to hype up this week's 0 2 Nebraska versus 0 3 Penn State game. Like, it's going to be a great game to watch. I mean, it might, it just doesn't matter who wins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is pretty likely. I would go towards a triple for this. Wait, you think it's pretty likely? So you give a triple. Uh, sorry, a- sorry, sorry. I think it's likely that they're not going to have, uh, that they're was, going to have a winning season. That's I was going to say, I think that's what he's <laughs> trying to say. That's what I was trying to say. 
Yeah, I, I think they'll be above 500. So. Um, I, I was thinking double, but... You don't think they're going to get five? I don't four, think... That four more, wins? Four more. They need four more wins. I don't know if I see four more wins on that schedule. I see three, and I feel like you can have a toss-up with another one that's on. I have to look it up again. I think this is only a double. I'm pretty... They're going to lose to Wisconsin. Yeah, that's a given. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Which means they got to win three out of the other four. You see three of those other four as wins. But remember, the crossover game is going to be with an equally terrible team. I mean, but the, but the East is better than the West in theory, right? I mean, you've got Ohio State. You've got Indiana. You've got Michigan. <laughs> Just Michigan? Just kidding. They suck. And Michigan. <laughs> Purdue. Well, sucks. Purdue already beat Iowa. Yeah, yep, we already beat Iowa. And Iowa's looking pretty good this week, like compared to how they came out. I'm still thinking this is a double. I won't argue with you too much because I feel like Kyle gets a lot of uh, a lot of points. So double it is. Uh, Doesn't mean I get any of those <laughs> points right. <laughs> what do you got, Mike? Yeah, I'm predicting that uh, Dalvin Cook um, – Stays as the NFL leading rusher, and at the end of the year is the NFL's leading rusher. So we we were talking about this before. Is this just straight out NFL like leading rusher in yards or yards per game? Um, is there is a difference? Yep, we'll say yards. Presuming presuming that all teams play sixteen games. If, it, if it's going to turn out that a team is not going to play 16 games, we'll come back and reevaluate this prediction. But okay. Not that he back plays 16 games, right? Because Cook won't do that. He already missed games being injured. But that each team plays 16 games. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. How do I want to do this? So, basically, if we're doing this, it's a two-back race. Dalvin yep. Cook has 858 yards. Derrick Henry has 843 yards. And the next closest is Josh Jacobs with 588 yards. He's almost 300 yards behind Dalvin Cook halfway through the year. So, this is so um, the only time they play a top – well, they play three top 15 defensive games against the run to finish out the year. Um, let me find Derrick Henry here. Hold on one second. Uh, Derrick Henry, one, two, three, four, four, four games against a top 15 def- rushing defense. Uh, I feel like this is a double. I, I think like. it's a double. Yeah. I think Dalvin Cook has the easier schedule against. Yep. And I think the, I think as the season goes on, the Vikings are going to be more run heavy because Kirk Cousins is not that good of a. I'm good with, I'm good with a double. I'll take that. I I just say, wanted to have stats to back it up, you know? I mean, I feel like you didn't need stats to back it, though. You have two yeah, running backs. It's going to be one of these guys, right? It's a 50-50. Yeah, if the only time you'd need stats is if you're trying to say it was something other than a double. Yeah. 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 Well, I was just trying to confirm that it wasn't a triple based on looking at the average rank of run defense for those remaining. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to say that Iowa State will have exactly one more turnover for the rest of the regular season. Is that – possible postseason games no just the regular season yeah um because boy. i i know in a bowl game so just we'll probably three more choke. games that's Whoa. at least a triple if not yeah a home, right? i have not a home run one what? turnover that's it no more no less 
What are Big 12 ranks enforcing turnovers? The stats I did not have pulled up. Um, no. Uh, NCAA turnover margin. Big 12. <laughs> no surprise Baylor shot up the rankings this week after that performance. Wait. This is last year's stats. Get out of here. Last this year. Very useful for you, Kyle. Your premier Midwestern baseball. Yeah, podcast. premier, baby. Um, boy, why can't I find this turnover? Not on ESPN stat page. It's not, no. This is a triple or home run. We just got to do it by gut, Kyle. Triple or home run. I'd say, I'd say home run. I agree. I think you're, you're looking at, you're looking at uh, Texas that has a, a really solid um, front four. It, like you got strip sacks in there. Brock Purdy's has thrown six interceptions so far this season. He's interception prone. Yeah. Not to mention our special teams. Yeah. 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 I it's, would say de- it's, it's a home run. Yeah. I would say it's definitely averaging more than one turnover per game this year. So, yes, this is a home run. I uh, like it. What do we got from Josh? Josh is predicting that in the Packers two upcoming games against the Bears that the Packers go two and out. Well, actually, he's also predicting they don't lose to the Bears ever. So if they meet in the playoffs, that would count too. He's predicting that the Packers do not lose to the Bears this. Uh, according to five thirty eight, they give sixty seven percent chance to win against the Bears at home, and a and, you know, we gotta find it. Let me say sixteen or seventeen. 17, 61% chance to win on the road. And the percentages would be similar in the playoffs based at home or road. Yeah. Well, the odds to win both of those, what were the numbers again, Kyle? Uh, 67 and 61, I think. Yeah. The odds of winning both of those are 40%. So this is single double territory. I'll give them a double for it. That's kind of what I was going yeah, the, the Packers seem to also, like, not perform well in certain games. Cough, cough, Vikings. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. So, with a double, 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 and a home run, we will conclude our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 105 of the 8311Cast. We appreciate you sticking around. Make sure you check out our Instagram page at 8311Cast. Signing off for the interview guest, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.